Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. It's easy to think that because e-commerce is a buzzword and has been put at the top priority of almost every top companies that we can press a button and connect all the dots to understand and monitor and measure the omnichannel consumer journey. It's not the case. Even in mature markets such as the US, I mean, you are quite familiar with that, we struggle to have online data from omnis to fuel our reports. So I think we are all learning and putting new ways of working, new tools and new processes. And we all have also to be patient and empathetic with what can actually be done in the market. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, do you consider yourself having a non-linear career? Well, in marketing speak, the answer can be yes or no. I think I've had a nonlinear career. I started out in journalism, went into PR, somehow ended up in an ad agency, ran that, and now I'm running a SaaS company. Like in theory, no, not remotely linear and not connected. Didn't really stay in one genre for more than one job. At the same time, there's a lot of similarities in storytelling, connecting the dots between new technology and consumer readiness. So you can create a narrative on anything, but the question is, what kind of experiences got you there? What about yourself? Do you see yourself as nonlinear or linear career development? I, I would lean towards linear. And I guess it's because I gravitate towards the connective tissue of, of my entire career. That's because you're already creating the marketing of your career. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm sorry, being the voice of Pepsi on Twitter to being an entrepreneur, building and running and growing a e-commerce SaaS company, bullshit. I'm sorry, you're nonlinear. Someone had to convert the content to commerce. That is a pivot. That is nonlinear. And if you, you know, look, look we're going to have jean Sienna on the show. In theory, she always worked in marketing, but there's a very big difference between marketing Google hardware and being on the brand side and being on the media side and all that other stuff to marketing OTC consumer health products as the global e-com lead at Sanofi. That's not linear. You could put a wrapper on it, but it's not linear. Which she does an incredible job articulating on the show. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thought process. People, you know, of our parents' generation were big fans of you stayed at a job forever and you just kind of, whether you climbed the ladder or you just kind of grinded it out, people didn't change a heck of a lot. And now you even having a nonlinear career, so long as, again, it could be packaged well, which... I think we've all managed to do in some way, it gives you the opportunity to build on those experiences to be a little different from everybody else. And I think different is good and different is memorable. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, no, I 100% agree. 
And I think this episode is an amazing story of how to tie it all together with a bow and, and really make your career your own. Coming all the way from Barcelona, Jean-Cien Barrett, the global e-commerce lead at Sanofi. Hello, Jean-Cien. It's great to see you. Although people can't see you, we have no actual <laughs> video for the podcast, but it's great to see you and it's great for everybody else to hear from you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast and it's a great reference point for the industry, so I'm happy to be part of it. We are honored to have you. And one of the things that really struck us, especially as uh, we were getting to know each other over the past few months, is the diversity of your career path. You have had a really interesting nonlinear career path. And Rachel and I love speaking with people that have taken a very different kind of a route. I, I think part of that might be just because Rachel and I have taken very different routes in our careers, but you've worked across verticals and roles. So let's just set the stage and hear your journey about why you made the choices that you did, what choices those were, and how that landed you where you are today. We tend to think that a career is made of choices, but I would rather think it's a combination of opportunities you decide to take or to create for yourself by digging into what you like to do. And I think this is how I started first as a consultant, because I wasn't really ready to commit to any sector or market or product. I wanted to gain as much exposure as possible and to experience different environments, different models. And strategic consultancy was a perfect platform. I could experience working with media, furniture industries, transport, TPGs, and it was a great way for me to learn and feed my curiosity. So it was really multi-strategy, multi-industry, still in a local market. And then I had the opportunity to join Google. And I have to say, I was a bit in the dark at that time because it was quite early. It was in 2010, and we were only 70 in the Paris office. And just to give you a reference point, when I left Google eight years ago, we were over 1,000 people. So it was really a huge growth. I even remember some critics from Bain telling me, genuinely asking me, what are you going to do there? <laughs> and the funny thing is that I answered them like, I don't know yet, but I will figure out. And then I saw them joining Google a few years after working in the office. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I was excited by the challenge. So to me, I was moving from a multi-strategy to really a digital uh, strategic company. And my role was still kind of a consultant role because it was to explain to big company how people would use internet, what was the role of search. It even looks like it, it sounds a bit vintage, right? <laughs> but it was very important. I love how you just said that. It sounds a bit vintage. You sound so like... No, it's just dated. Whatever. Yeah. We're on to internet 3.0. So 2.0 and 1.0, it, it technically is vintage. It is vintage. I'm totally down with it because I'm vintage. <laughs> that, that works for me. But I think that's when people ask me how old I'm, I am. I'm just going to say I'm vintage. Then at some point, it became a bit more sophisticated. And from the search era, we went to the video and social era. So my job was more to convince brand to switch mid-investment from traditional channel to digital ones. And we know all the story. And lastly, from Google, I moved to Sanofi. So Sanofi is a pharmaceutical company in the US. It has iconic brands such as Icy Hot, Gold Bond, Allegra. And so even if I went to the brand side, my job at the end still had a lot of similarities because it's a work of evangelization, explaining what the trend is and to the organization to so that they not only best adjust and adapt to what is happening, but they are able to lead uh, and make it a competitive advantage. 
So here it was still digital strategy, but in just one industry with a global market. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming, to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. It's amazing to see the connective tissue between all of your roles. Just zoning in on the two most recent experiences, Google and Santa Fe, based on my understanding, those are two very different cultures, but maybe I'm wrong. Just curious what you would want to take from each of them that you find really worthwhile. You're right. It's, it's two different cultures. I'm, I'm not going to lie. In both of them, you really feel like you are an entrepreneur. That's the common ground I found in my work experience. At Google, you leave and brief digital innovation. You don't even leave the trend. You are even creating it. You are part of the hype. It will be the next product that is going to disrupt the industry. Sometimes even hard to think about what will be your next step career-wise working at Google because you might end up working in a product that did not exist six months ago. It was the case, for instance, when Google Assistant was created. It created a lot of excitement and job opportunities, and it was very attractive. Also, everything we read about Google culture, like being a fun workplace, caring for his employees and everything, that's all true. <laughs> it's not a myth. <laughs> so then I'm, when I moved to Santa Fe Consumer Healthcare, there is much more stability in the business. Some of the brands uh, have been in the pharmacy kits of households for generations in some markets. So it's not about changing the way pharma industry works, but it's leveraging digital tools to better deliver services and results. So innovation is a big deal and it can take many forms. For instance, making our product accessible online is an innovation. And we saw that during the pandemic, people needed to buy healthcare products online. But in some markets, we were not ready and we had to build the right partnership with retailers to insert, to insert that demand at scale. I don't know about you, man, but I needed that icy hot bad, <laughs> bad. Happy to hear that. <laughs> so in that industry, it takes a lot of perseverance to do it, but it's also very rewarding because you really feel you're having a real impact. At Google, you are living an amazing adventure. It's an amazing culture company, but it's much more difficult and subtle to feel that you are making a difference because you are carried by such a positive trend anyway. So that in Sanofi, on the contrary, you feel you have much more responsibility and room to leave your footprint and feel accountable. So to answer your question, sorry, maybe my answer was a bit long, but from Google, I would take the culture of transparency, collaboration, care, and constant innovation. And from Sanofi, I would really take the empowerment that makes you feel you can make a difference and challenge the status quo. Let's unpack that for a minute, because I think it is such a different mindset when you're marketing products that haven't even been invented, let alone concepted, and you're introducing new concepts for solving problems that people didn't even know they had. And I think the Google Assistant, Google Home, all of those other fun stuff definitely plays a very important role as compared to over-the-counter products in pharmacies. You're not going to see the same thing for you know, cortisone, for example. But all that being said, I think your point is, how do you take the best of both worlds and use that empowerment and that 
almost like blank slate of opportunity as you advance in Sanofi. And so I have a question for you specifically on that, because one of the nice things in your role is that you can kind of define it in a lot of different ways. And it gives you a lot of, like you said, empowerment. And we've heard from a lot of different global e-commerce leaders on both sides of the Atlantic about the difference in running global e It could be leading with influence. It could be leading with control. There could be some sort of a hybrid, a Goldilocks-like approach. In the past few months, we heard from Chanan at uh, J&J, G from Mondelez, Brigitte from Colgate. Like, what's your style of how you use that empowered space? And why do you think it works for you and for the company? I would say that in this role, my style is um, empathetic. When you're in a global role, communicating with local markets isn't about just talking to them. It's equally about listening to them. And I feel lucky that I used to work in a local market before having a global role because I actually had to go through the challenges that they are facing today. I really think it helps my conversation with the e-commerce heads in the market. You're not going to get uh, the buying from regional markets until they feel like they have been heard or their opinions have been taken into account. It has to be a two-way street. Only once you have their buying and they feel respected and listened to, then you stand a chance of being able to have them implement any top-down initiatives. So being in a global role, you can best develop the best playbook, the best structure or trainings. If you don't listen and understand the challenge the market are facing, it becomes all irrelevant. I really do think, and I hope that uh, it reflects in my style of, of, uh, with my counterpart, but sometimes the best concept and framework hit the hard reality of the maturity of the market. It's easy to think that because e-commerce is a buzzword and has been put at the top priority of almost every top companies, that we can press a button and connect all the dots to understand and monitor and measure their channel consumer journey. It's not the case. Even in mature markets such as the US, I mean, you're quite familiar with that. We struggle to have online data from Omnis to fuel our reports. In Europe, some retailers, they don't have in place the right platform to monitor our e-retail media investments. I mean, not every retailer has the Amazon infrastructure. But still, Amazon has set a standard in the industry, so we expect that, but it's not the reality. So I think we are all learning and putting new ways of working, new tools and new processes, and we all have also to be patient and empathetic with what can actually be done in the market. You still need to use your analytical and influential skills to make sure that you can find the synergies uh, in between countries and know up to which extent you can challenge the market to build up a current coherent global structure, taking into account the local specificities. So you said you can't press a button. I would argue you could press two buttons. You could press the Profitera button and the Micmac button <laughs> to tell you that end-to-end customer journey. True, true. I'm halfway. <laughs> Leading with empathy is phenomenal and obviously has been proven to work many times over because the more you can empathize and understand where people are coming from, the better off you're going to be at leading. But I think when you start empathizing almost too much, and just to be clear, I, I could not be more of a fan of empathy. Let's just start from that point. But I want to just challenge the thinking when it comes to scale. When you lead with empathy to a certain degree, you end up with really understanding the nuances. But your point is, how do you level that up to then figure out what the themes are? Let's say 
you get feedback from, from the marketplace saying, we really want to understand like the big challenge that we have is all the retailers are changing. They don't have the infrastructure that Amazon has. And so we're all challenged with that problem. But what it means for somebody maybe in Brazil is going to be different than South Africa is going to be different than Spain. How do you then go back to the markets and then say, I heard you, I'm not going to solve all of your problems, but here are the issues that I'm going to be able to solve. And how do you do that at scale? I really do think that you need to listen to the market, but then really use your analytical skills to find the common denominator, common ground of what could be the ideal global structure. And I am quite a big fan of the um, crawl, walk, run frameworks, you know. At a global level, it's really a framework that works very well because we're not saying like stage beginner, stage mid. No, no, we're saying, okay, depending on the topic, you can be at different stages. This is what we would recommend for you to grow. And then each market can then position themselves and say, okay, I'm here. And now I know if I want to go to the next step, it will be here. And that works for actually like every market. So in most of the topics that we are currently covering, it's the case, for instance, in e-retail media, we really rely on these pro-work-run frameworks so that depending on the topic, depending on the markets, they know what is the next step they have to take. So sadly, we've reached the point where we got to ask you the famous last question, which is, what's the bravest thing that you've ever done? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I thought about it. I was thinking about something recently. Uh, I think as you can tell by my accent, you have been listening and <laughs> struggling with maybe. I'm very French and I am a Burgundy lover. And the other day, after building up a lot of courage and being very, very brave, I ordered a glass of Spanish wine. <laughs> I adventure myself into new territories. No, it's a joke. Actually... Um, okay, but now I have to know what region it was from. It was actually really good. It was a Ribera del Duero. And actually, if you have to take uh, Spanish wine, it's the one I would recommend. If you have to take Spanish wine, ooch, ooch. All right, go on. So now what's the bravest thing you've ever done other than, than diversion from Burgundy wine, okay? Which will always be the first choice, by the way. I, as a French people, I, I have to promote this region. Leaving Google was a tough decision because I was doing quite well. I really loved the company. I think it's a company that's just hard to leave and you can stay four years there. But I wanted to also explore from a personal side and a professional side over areas. And, and I really went out of my comfort zone back then when I had actually no need to. So it was really an adventure, as I said, both from professional and personal side. But I'm very happy because I could really, really grow in another way that I would have done staying at Google. Again, I think even if we are doing well, we should always, always challenge ourselves and push ourselves to discover new landscapes. Love that. Absolutely love that. Well, Jean-Cien, it was wonderful to have you. We're so glad that your knowledge and insights are getting shared much more broadly. And we hope you'll join us back here soon. Yeah, thank you for having me again. And I really appreciate the content that you guys put. So in our, sometimes we think that we're the crazy one alone in our company. And by listening to your podcast, we feel that there is a bunch of even crazier people and... <laughs> And that's me and Rachel. Well, we, we, know, we know a few crazies. <laughs> so it feels good to be part of it. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend.
Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of True, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice. Meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming centre stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.